BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to The Daily Break. I'm Andrew Tallman. Here's what's happening today at Newsweek. Several U.S. government departments have released a report discussing the United States' progress in space and the roadblocks or obstacles that it faces, including facing off against China. The 2022 State of the Space Industrial Base report was released jointly by the Defense Innovation Unit, the United States Space Force, and the Air Force Research Lab. It represents 350 industry experts' opinions regarding a variety of topic areas from the economic development of space, human settlement in space, in space transportation, logistics, power and propulsion, and STEM education. But if you want the short takeaway, the thing that everybody is concerned about is China. As Colonel Eric J. Felt, a guy with a really long title, says... Industry feedback highlighted the need to accelerate to regain strategic leadership from China. The report says that winning the space race is a national imperative and a critical component of the preservation of liberty and prosperity in the 21st century for the United States, our allies and partners. The rise of China as both an economic and space power is an imminent threat to democracy, the market economy and the international liberal order. You might say, is China all that interested in space? And the answer is, Oh, yes. In fact, Xi Jinping's space dream is organizing a whole-of-nation approach toward the singular objective of displacing the United States as the dominant space power militarily and economically by 2045. That's 23 years if you're counting. Of course, the last time we were involved in a major space race, it was the height of the Cold War in the Soviet Union. We won that race. Well, we were losing at the beginning, if you remember Sputnik. But in the long run, we did win that race, obviously putting people on the moon first. Well, flash forward to today and you know about the International Space Station, but did you also know about the Chinese Tiangong Space Station? Yeah, they just launched it on July 24th, and their goal is to have that replace the ISS as the number one power in orbit, and they want to put astronauts on the moon by 2030. Now, NASA is also gunning for the moon again, using Artemis, but plans to get there ahead of the Chinese. The intent is to have a crewed mission in lunar orbit by 2024, that's just two years from now, and a crewed landing near the moon's south pole by 2025, five years ahead of the Chinese schedule. And if trying to imagine a universe in which America is no longer the dominant power in space is too hard for you, well, simply watch Apple TV Plus's show For All of Mankind, which begins with the premise that the United States actually lost the space race against the Soviets in the 60s. And although I'm not a huge fan of the show, I will say the one thing it got me thinking about is alternate realities where everything doesn't work out with the U.S. on top. And I certainly don't want to feel that way in 2045, thinking about what we didn't do today in relation to China. And now from the what's your picture of education's job anyway? And now from the ever overflowing disputes over education file, a Missouri school district just announced that it will be instituting corporal punishment for students this year if parents opt in. The Cassville School District School Board in Missouri this summer approved a policy allowing paddling of children in schools as a last resort disciplinary method that requires the consent of parents to opt in or to opt out of the policy. 
As their handbook says, corporal punishment is the use of physical force as a method of correcting student behavior. Corporal punishment as a measure of correction or of maintaining discipline and order in schools is permitted. However, it shall be used only when all other alternative means of discipline have failed and then only in reasonable form and upon the recommendation of the principal. Corporal punishment shall be administered only by swatting buttocks with a paddle. Cassville School District Superintendent Merlin Johnson told the Springfield News-Ledger that we've actually had people thank us for it. Surprisingly, those on social media would probably be appalled to hear us say these things, but the majority of people that I've run into have been supportive. The policy handbook also prohibits striking a student anywhere else, such as on the face or head, and specifically says there must be no chance for bodily injury or harm to the student. Now, this makes Missouri the 19th state to legally allow corporal punishment in some form. Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, and Wyoming all have it. Meanwhile, the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry opposes the use of corporal punishment and supports legislation that would ban its use. For my part, here's what I think. The schools are there to be the emissaries, delegates, ambassadors, employees, servants of the parents. And if parents believe in corporal discipline, then those parents should be able to let the school discipline on their behalf. And if parents don't believe in corporal discipline or do, but only by themselves, don't want to delegate that task to somebody else, they can make that choice. It seems to me like these states, especially Missouri's rule, is a decidedly pro-choice alternative. And as long as the state's not going to prohibit parents from using corporal discipline, it seems consistent to allow those parents to let teachers, or in this case, the principal of the school, to use it on their behalf. And finally, you would think that you don't have to tell people this, but apparently you do. And apparently you need to tell them so loudly that you have a fine attached to the warning not to swim with the orcas. Well, in British Columbia, Canada, they do have such a rule. It's actually Section 7 of the Marine Mammals Regulations, part of Canada's Fisheries Act. And Judge Jeffrey Campbell just handed down a 12000 Canadian dollar, that's about $9,000 U.S., but a 12000 Canadian dollar fine for a diver, Thomas Gould, who he says, quote, knowingly interacted with a pod of seven northern resident killer whales in April of 2020. In British Columbia, vessels, that's boats and ships, have to keep at least 650 feet away from killer whales. And in portions of southern British Columbia, the distance goes up to 1,300 feet. That's according to Canada's maritime mammal regulations. And it is illegal to swim, dive, or interact with marine mammals. And all of these facts are posted in areas where you might expect to see the killer whales. Now, the concern here, obviously, is that the pods of whales move to and fro as they will, and if humans interact with them, they could disrupt those patterns or harm them. And in this case, the evidence was that the dive vessel Gould was operating tried to leapfrog ahead of the orca pod, trying to get into a position where the pod would come to them. And then Gould in full dive gear was also found to have entered the water twice close to the killer whales. Both of those would be violations. And now, I rationally know that a killer whale is just a really large dolphin, but it's that combination of teeth and size and the name killer whale and a few movies I may have seen that would easily keep me from wanting to scuba dive near them. But obviously, that wasn't enough deterrent for everybody. Maybe a well-publicized $12,000 fine will make a difference. That's it for the Daily Break. Be sure to head over to Newsweek.com for these stories and more, including our growing podcast lineup. Consider subscribing to the digital and print editions of Newsweek and this podcast. If you haven't already, hit the five-star review or I will bring my paddle. I'm Andrew Tallman. Thanks for listening to the Daily Break, brought to you by Newsweek.